Hey guys, welcome to the In the Game Room podcast, audio edition, episode number 19. Well, we're going to try something a little bit different tonight because, as I've mentioned in the past, um, doing these audio podcasts for me are a little bit difficult when I'm by myself because I'm just kind of talking at the microphone for the whole time. And that's not really a, it's not conversational, it's not easy to do. The video podcasts for me are easier to do alone because I'm usually demonstrating something or showing you guys something. So it's it feels a little more interactive. So like I said, I've been having a little trouble trying to figure out what I want to do with the audio podcast. And I think I finally settled on a way to kind of rejuvenate this and bring it back to life. And that is going to be to have other people on with me, usually over the phone or Skype or something like that. So tonight, in this episode, we're going to do almost an hour with my good friend Chris, who's uh, the guy I play bolt action with most of the time, and he helps me out at the conventions and things like that. So great friend of mine, and uh, he's going to call in, or I'm going to call him, however it works, and we're going to see how this goes. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Please leave me some feedback on inthegameroom.com on the blog. Let me know if you, you know, like this and if you want to hear more of this. If you want me to get other guests, uh, multiple guests, all of that is possible in the future. So let's just get into this and see what happens. Hello? Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, what are you up to? <laughs> Podcasting, I hope. Well, let's uh, let's start talking about some. We'll start off with some bolt action stuff, and then we'll get into some other things that aren't specifically bolt action, so we don't lose everybody. But all right, in our emails back and forth and messages and whatnot, you mentioned a couple of things that we are doing wrong when we play, and I'm not surprised at all. So, <laughs> hey, just just so we can start off with, it's still a lot of fun. It's still a lot of fun. We just suck at it. <laughs> Right, right. So, so hopefully the the rules, uh, learning the rules better will, will will help us, you know, have even more fun. I guess exactly right. Um, so one of the first things you mentioned was that we're doing the the assault or close quarters wrong. What? Yeah. What are we yeah. doing wrong? Well, you know, and I and I haven't had a chance to get totally caught up on it, but oh man, you're killing me here. Um, <laughs> It's, it's it, it was it was all uh, not I don't want to say all of it, um, but the obviously the first part right where we you know we declare a target, I move in or you move in, you react first. Um, right. If if I haven't already uh, issued an order, I think. Correct, and I believe that's still correct. Right. Um, I I read through I read through the rules completely once. Um, almost immediately after we played and that was two weeks ago and um you know with what i do for work and all of that i I read a ton so um i usually have to read something three or four times to completely absorb it right um but i'm not supposed to move in until you've had a chance to react and that that's the first thing right i measure the distance to make sure i can attack right or make sure i can assault and then you get your shots off right and if I can still continue, which, you know, specifically for the IJA, the Japanese, um, I can. Uh, but for other units that aren't equipped like the, the Japanese army, um, they may not be able to continue the assault. Okay. And so that was one thing. And, and, it, and it's not so much important for you when you and I play, when I play the Japanese and you play whoever you're playing, because I'm usually assaulting you. Right. Um, but, but it is something that we need to note when, you know, cause I'm also building the British army. <clears throat> it's probably something to note when we, you know, get down to two armies that aren't equipped to have great assaults like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at the rule now it's, it's on page 75 of the book and it says, yeah, declare right. targets. Number one, measure the move distance is number two and then target reacts and then you move. Yeah, and then I move. Yeah. And and then my attack is with whatever I have left. And that part was right. And it, it is just semantics, even though I can still come in and assault um, with the Japanese rule. Um, but it's still something we should follow that rule so that we're in that habit. And that was, that was the first thing that I saw. I was like, well, I'm moving in immediately. 
and then giving him a chance. And although, again, with me playing the Japanese army and you playing your army, I still get to move in and, and you still get to take your shots first and I still remove my casualties, but we're not doing it in the turn sequence that it should be done in so that we're remembering how things work when we play different armies. Right. And I think so if we, if we ever go to a tournament or we ever play against someone else and so I choose to somebody to who knows what they're army, doing. <laughs> right. <clears throat> or I, or I play one of your armies. I mean, you've got a massive uh, German army. Um, if I do that and I'm still and, and and maybe it's more for me, right. Is because I don't have to, I mean, with, again, my rule, I don't, that doesn't matter. Um, but it is something that I need to be in the habit of doing so that when I get into a term, I'm like, hold on, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm not supposed to be doing that. And, you know, I'm going to embarrass myself enough in the tournament. I certainly <laughs> don't need to do it because I don't know the rules. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I could see where this sequence of events would make a big difference. If you were, say, I don't know, 11 inches away, you could still right. advance and attack, but you might be more than halfway half range away from me if i'm if i've got smgs or shotguns or something like that so that could affect my yeah yeah it could affect my ability to shoot you where normally i was like waiting till you got in close and it was it was virtually point blank then so there was no penalty for distance right and that and that's and that's also sorry that's uh, that's also something else and, and i didn't think of it until you're just now saying it but you're right if i am 11 inches away and, that, and that's kind of a tactic that, that I should start adopting is, right. is make sure I'm staying with what I can eyeball at, you know, I, I, I would guess that it would probably be anywhere from seven inches or further away. So that if you do have SMGs, which, you know, most of your tough fighters are going to have something like a close quarter combat weapon yeah. or an assault weapon. Yeah, the Marines and stuff. Um, if I stay that far away, then that weapon is useless against me. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. It won't because be now it's hitting me again. It, no, they fire whenever I'm in range. So they all still get to shoot. <clears throat> I saw that somewhere. Oh, okay. But I, I actually saw that somewhere. But I wonder <clears throat> if they fire when you're... Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little tricky. We'll have, to, we'll have to look into that a lot further, but at least we know we're doing it wrong, and that's what's important. Right. Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to study that in detail, especially. All since right, so here here's the here's the rule. It says, however, right, it's going on about how I suppose you're supposed to shoot before I move, but then it continues with, however, even weapons that are out of range count as in range and can shoot, oh. applying the long range to hit. Oh, okay. So it would just be a plus one, but you'd still get to shoot them. And this represents the waiting for the assault model to be within range. So, you know, the guy with the SMG is going to know, well, I can't shoot that far. I need to wait till they get closer. The guy with the pistols, like, there's no way I'm going to hit them, you know, that far away. I need to wait for them to get closer. And so that is, that is absolutely, uh, you do get to roll all your dice, but there is a modifier on anything that is long range. Right. Right. Okay. All right. We'll have to, we'll have to work on that. And, uh, do some more like mock-ups of assaults and things and, and figure that out. The next thing that I was noticing is that when we roll sixes, I don't think we were rolling again. In an assault, if you roll a six oh, yeah, um, autom- and you have and you have the the what was that rule again? Tough fighter. Tough fighter. Yeah. Right. If you have tough fighter, any sixes are rolled again. Right. And you could potentially hit score a second hit. Right, right. Off that same off that same target. Yeah, I was same attacker. Yeah, I've been aware of that rule too, but I think we just we just been forgetting about it. Like many of the rules right. we just forget when we're playing because we're having oh, yeah, too we much fun. Oh yeah, we get wrapped up in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the other thing, um, really simple thing that probably everybody's going to just laugh at us for not doing this, but I don't think we've been passing order checks. And taking away a pin. I think sometimes we've been forgetting to do that. Yes. that the, and, and the one, and, and this adds to another one of the things I'm like, oh my gosh, we're doing this wrong, is that when I was moving as the Japanese, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't have to roll. But anytime I take a bonsai charge, I do actually remove a pin. Just mm-hmm. one. Right. I don't get that, 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 like I'm rolling double zeros. But... 
I do get to remove one pin. I don't have to roll for morale, but I do get to move that one, one pin every time I do a bonsai charge. Right, right. And so I remember when you had, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was your snipers. I went in and got your snipers and then I bonsai charged your spotter or I'm not, maybe not your spotter, but, um, those dudes on the corner, but I wasn't, I wasn't removing the pen. Now that didn't matter so much because I was bonsai charging everything. Um, but, but if we went back into a long range combat, um, and I think honestly, I stopped shooting long range and I was just charging right uh the rest of the game is, is and it works for me at that you know for that specific game but in future games you know maybe it is a quick charge and then i pull back um but it's important that i lose that that pin because i could it could potentially you know limit me in shooting long range or even at range and not doing a bonsai charge uh-huh. so well you're going to be playing these Japanese guys a lot, so you better better get those rules down pat. <laughs> i got to get those rules down pat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one other thing that we did wrong in the last game is our both of us had artillery spotters for our mortars. And Correct. They were both, uh, they were both behind hardcover, and they were both small unit. So there's a minus three to hit right there. But we did not also consider... Uh, artillery and mortar spotters are always considered to be down. So that's an, that's another negative two to hit. Oh. They were virtually unhittable. If they were down oh, yeah. in hardcover and small unit, it was eights to hit them. So, Which I don't, and, and that's one of the rules we have to read up on. I know that if it if it's, takes a seven to hit, if you roll a six upon a six, I believe that's a hit. That, yeah. I don't know that there's, if it's there, an eight. There's I don't no, know. Do you have no. to roll four dice to see? If you can there's there's <laughs> nothing for an eight. The only thing the okay. only thing that those guys could have given been hit with, and what I was trying to do was other artillery, you know, other mortar, okay. because then all this down and hardcover has no effect. But for wow. but for shooting at them, they were completely unhittable. Which is that's amazing. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So they're yeah they were invincible. So we did that wrong. Well, then it kind of makes it yeah it kind of makes it you know are you gonna are you gonna you know indirect fire their spotter or are you gonna go after their folks? Yeah, and I think you know I I went after your spotter with my mortar and I don't know if I got did. him or not, but I thought yeah that's I got to get rid of that guy first, and that's what I yeah and I think do. we were shooting at him first um, and then. I think I think I I did ultimately climb up to that building and assault yeah um, your spotter because that's what you um, do because that's what I do <laughs> um, but it is it is um, I, I think it is it you know it, it might be it might be a prime target oh I mean, yeah and until until you, until the guys start well but but then again I, I look at it as is I want to pin as much as I can you know, before your team gets close or, or close enough to shoot. Because, right. I, I mean, yes, I, as an army, he is, the Japanese army are effective as regular army, but I do my most damage and I found that I am most successful when I move every single turn. Every single turn I, I run, right. I have to charge you. That's right. the, that seems to be the best way to play the, the Japanese. Um, but that's going to become a crutch because I am building that, that British army. I've got to find another way to do, you know, to work. Yeah. And so as, I, as I'm looking at that, I don't know that I want to, I mean, I, yes, I can focus on the spotter, but what about the rest of the army that's coming, you know? Yeah. I you mean, have to, uh, you have to think about it. Like, yeah, this guy up there yeah. on the top of the building, he's causing me a lot of heartache, but meanwhile, there's right. 40 other guys running across the battlefield that exactly. I need to think about. So, yeah. And, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's, if you're not focusing on, on my fixed target, like my mortars, right. If you're not focusing on my mortar, then maybe I don't worry about your spotters so much because if I keep moving, as long as I've moved, yeah, two inches my last unit has moved two inches away from the starting point where you fixed in 
um, I think I'm good. I think you have to start over again. So as long as I'm moving, I'm okay. But again, that, that only plays into one army. I mean, I, I, again, I'm building, building another army and I've got to change the way that I think. Um, I, I think I've spent too much time thinking about how to play the Japanese and not enough time is, you know, you know, at, at some point I want to play another army. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, well, that's part of the fun of it. You get to study a couple of different types of scenarios and I mean, different, uh, different forces and how they fight, you know, you'll just, you'll just learn what to do with each, I guess. Yeah. One of the things I've there'll heard, be a lot of failure. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Why not? It's what we do. Um, one of the other podcasts I was listening to actually said something that after I heard it, I was like, oh, it's so simple. I should have known this. But they were talking about when you have a mortar, firing the mortar should be the last the last order die you pull for that turn. So even if you miss on the next turn, the very first order die you pull should be the mortar. So now you're taking your second shot before that before that unit has time to move. Okay, wait, explain that again. Okay, in say we're in turn number one. I'm I pulled okay. my last order die. That should that should go as a fire order to my mortar. I fire, okay. I miss, I, I don't roll a six. Now turn two, the very first order die I pull should be a fire order for the mortar oh. to fire on the same target before he has a chance to move that's okay and i'm like okay. duh of course but i never thought of that yeah it, it is yeah, it is one of those simple rules you I, I never thought of that i yeah. mean absolutely it's just a, it's just a, a, a smart tactic because you can it is a smart tactic you know and maybe maybe by this time you've got two two pins on that target and uh now they're less effective you know so that's kind of an interesting thing to think about if you have a yeah, mortar you, or artillery. You, you never should have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good. I'm going to do it so you can do it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's actually, that's a good tip. That's a good tip. I like that. Yeah. So what else we got here? Uh, oh, another thing. I, I don't think we've even run into this. I don't think we've ever had a unit that is down and stays down to the next turn. I don't think we've ever done that, have we? No. Because it is an option. But I, w I wasn't aware or I'd forgotten or something that a down unit that stays down at the end of the turn takes D3 pins off for staying down. So one, oh. one two, or three pins can be removed. It's almost like a, almost like a rally. But, it is, yeah. But about half as effective. But that's interesting, too, and that's... But you don't have to roll on it, so it's a guaranteed one, two, or three. It's a one, two, or three, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're down, well, you know, I mean, let's say you've got one or two pins, I mean, it, it might be worth it to, to do that because, you know, you, the odds are, I mean, you're definitely going to get one taken away, um, but I would say your odds are pretty good that you could lose two. Now, on a rally order, a rally order you still roll, but you roll unmodified morale right Correct. like if you got a nine Correct. it's a nine no matter how many pins yeah. you have so yeah that'd be an interesting thing to try to figure out which is which would be more effective but at least that option's there so what else is on our list of things do you have it in front of you i do um and it was it was one that i'm actually interested i mean i'm interested in all of this but I, I found it amusing when you said hey what about this topic and it is why are ruined buildings and all of them, the backs are blown off and not the front. <laughs> it's not like everybody's aiming for the back of a building. Right. Yeah. Was... And, and you said you have an answer. So I, I want to hear that. <laughs> I have an answer. As as the guy that designs the buildings and makes them, Correct. I think that the front of the building has all the windows and it's the coolest looking. So I try to keep as much of that intact as possible and blow out the backside, basically. And that's really the one and only reason. I just think they look cooler that way. But the fact that you brought up this question has made me go like, well, yeah, that's kind of stupid. They should be, I should have some buildings where, you know, there's a bit of the back wall left and almost none of the front or, you know, maybe the sides are gone. I, I need to work yeah. on changing that up a little because it, it has been just because I think they look cooler that way. And there's more more windows in the front where you can shoot out through and stuff. But right. there, there might be a... It's blown up building that's just useless to us in the game except maybe to hide behind well i i, I think that 
and, and, and I've done a little, you know, I mean, I, you know, me, I, I love looking at what's new and what's coming out and I throw you like, Hey, have you seen this? Or, Hey, you've seen that. And you do the same thing with me. Right. Um, I don't see a lot of front of buildings blown out and it might be kind of cool to have, have a building where, you know, like the bottom floor, the front of the building is blown out, but maybe the second and third floor exist. Right. Um, as, as the front facade. Um, and I think that it's, it, to me, it's it's comical, and and maybe it, it it could even take away some of the realism. But if you have like a permanent board that you've built, um, and and a mortar goes off in Main Street, it'd be cool to see the front of the buildings blown off, and right. maybe a little more detail on the back side of the building. Right, right, yeah. Or or the building took an HE round from a tank or an anti tank gun or something. Right, right. Yeah. And it went off on the second floor or the first floor or the third floor, whatever. Um, but the whole that whole floor is or parts of that front and back and maybe the sides who knows but you can still make it a tactical position but make it the you know the the second floor you're not going to get the same cover as the third floor yeah well i mean every building shouldn't be like the perfect tactical cover <laughs> you know no it's you should just you, you have to work with what's there and uh, yeah i should mix it up a little more and i think i will yeah i think that'd be i think that'd be kind of cool yeah so um and 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 in that in that i was i'm i'm amazed that at you know we talk and, and, and i'm backing up on what i'm saying right is why aren't the fronts blown off but then we then i look at some of the stuff that you produce especially the new one that you've just thrown out is that saving private ryan uh bell tower right right like that that's beautiful yeah and that's um, and it's got a great it's got a great front facade but some of it is missing right yeah and that's the the reason why I did that one the way it looks is because that's pretty much the only angle you ever see it from in the movie. So that was the only angle that I had all the information I needed to make that side. If you go, if you yeah. went around the corner on that building and you looked at that other side, there's bits of that that I just guessed on because there are no photos of that. So, so that's why the front of that building has all the detail. But yeah, and, and looking at that picture, I don't know, I don't, I don't, because you send me so many behind the scenes things. Um, not, I mean, not only am I a customer, but I'm a buddy. So right. I get to see a lot of this stuff and the progress of it and what you're using for reference. And I don't know if you share with everybody on your site as an open, you know, like, hey, this is what it's supposed to look like. And this is what I've built. But I mean, it looks like, like dead on what it, what it should look like. Yeah, I think I, I think I pretty much nailed it. I don't I don't have any you know dimensions to go off or anything like that. I just it was just all photos and you know from weird angles. But yeah, I I, I tried really hard to you know capture the exact flavor of of that building. And it has some weird architectural features that I don't even understand. And I just wonder if some prop guy just yeah. went off random and you know did yeah, some. Yeah, it, it it's it's crazy because it has the the rounded archways as well as a standard, you know, you know, early 19th century windows with the square bottom and the round and then the, the big circle on the, above the door. I mean, it's, right. it's, you're right. It, it's almost like somebody said, Oh, that looks kind of cool. And they took it from, you know, the middle East and then, Oh, this looks cool. So I'm going to take it from Europe and Oh, this looks cool. And you yeah. take it from, you know, Asia or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. And, and the and the trim around all the windows and doors and stuff they look like look like gears. It's just the oddest thing I've never seen before. But that's what they did. Did you capture that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in person. Oh well, you will soon. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It yeah. came came out pretty cool. Yeah, now, I'm look, actually looking at it on your site right now. Yeah, there's I, a... I, I love the, the the bell tower itself where it's. Where it's just the the I don't know what you call them the slats or the struts or or the support, but uh, you know the cross beams and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like something blew up and blew the shingles off of it or something. Yeah, I'm actually going to put a couple of random shingles still hanging on on my model, but it All was right. that wasn't something that I could produce as part of the kit very easily, so that right. was just left off. And the back of that, the very top bell tower area, the back of that's all blown away. I don't think it was so much in the movie, but I had to I had to come up with a way to get your guys in and out and get your hands in there. Right. So I, I blew right. away quite a bit of the back of it. Back side of it where on on the where you have your two I don't know, are those Americans sticking out of there? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They were Marines, um, actually. The back side of that. Oh, were they? Okay. <laughs> the back side of it. How how are they? I mean, can you access the back of this with your folks, with your troops on every level? No. Not, some of the windows look really dark. Not not on every level. What could happen with that is if you took the back of the tower and not glued it on, just left it removable. You could you could glue okay. a couple of floors in there. But I didn't I didn't think that was going to be like a real big deal because I think most people, if they play this, they're going to play it at the beginning of the game. The sniper's already up there. Yeah, you know, and just go from there. Yeah, that the one picture that you have on their site where it shows the the, the front, where you can see the two marines sitting in there. That just is a really good looking picture. It just looks, yeah, it, it looks thematic. It's it's really nice. I think if you scroll far enough through the pictures, you'll see there's probably one or two. I think of the actual building from the movie. I think, uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's the very last picture. The very last picture shows. Oh, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it kind of shows what it looks like. <clears throat> okay, so it is on your site. So that answered my question after yeah, that yeah. 10-minute tirade. <laughs> I try to do that if the building is like, if it's a real building in real life or if it's from a movie or something, I try to show like, hey, this is this is what we're doing here. I kind of I like what you did where you, you, you basically have all of the pieces laid out and I don't know if that's the CAD drawing or, or what, but um, it shows the pieces Yeah, that you have that that's, that's a nice touch. I like that. Yeah. I had to come up with some kind of like instruction manual and I didn't really want to do like a step by step by step. So I just, I laid out all the pieces numbered and lettered them. And then I took several pictures of the finished model and put the corresponding letters and numbers on the photo so people could just see where the parts go. And I, I think that's yeah. good enough for, uh, you know, it, it looks like a really complex kit, but actually it's super easy to put together. Well, that's kind of your style. You, you do put things together pretty easily. Yeah, it's easy for me because I designed it. <laughs> I, I, hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's easy for everybody else. But we, we'll find out pretty soon here. So speaking of the Private Ryan, um, this this particular building, the, the church tower, is the first in a series for me, I think, because I want to do a whole game board of that of that region, like everything from like the river and the bridge into the town up to the cross uh, the to the uh, bell tower and play a scenario where the where the Germans roll in with a couple of tanks and the Americans are sitting there waiting for them. I think that would be really fun. Oh, that would be awesome. So and you gotta try and protect the bridge, but if you can't, you yeah, it's it's the Alamo. <laughs> it's where they yeah, where yeah. they where they retreat to. So I'm working. I don't think I'm going to talk about it much here because I'm still working on it. But I am working on a special bolt action rule for the uh, for the sticky bombs that they used in the movie. Right. So um, I read through your first draft and draft, and yeah, we we need to talk about that more. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's going to work. It's just we need to play test it and see if it's not effective at all, or if it's too effective, you know. And we right. need, and I need to throw in, uh, I need to throw in more variables. I think, like I put in there something about when the men charge the tank, there needs to be a die roll to see if they actually succeed, because they could drop the thing. They could trip and fall. Right. They could it could blow up in their hands, you know. So, um, it actually happened in the movie. I think more than once. I think one it of the did, guy, yeah, yeah, one of the it guys did. got blown up. So not only do we need to come up with some kind of die roll to make sure it happens, but if it doesn't happen, I think we need a second die roll to find out the result of that. Did the guy die in the attempt, or did he just fall down and trip and you know get up and run back, you know? So. It, I don't want it to get too complicated, but it needs to. I want to. Right. I want to try to capture how it actually happened in the movie and try to translate right. that into the game somehow. We'll see how when that I was, goes. When I was reading through the rules at, a, at initial glance, and I, and maybe you don't want to get too far into this, but um, and you can edit that out if you'd like. <laughs> but um, I was thinking it was a little too powerful. But you're you're also talking about you know some sort of die roll. Maybe it's a morale check. And, you know, maybe if they foobar, it just blows them up. Yeah. Because, well, there, there will be the morale check, of course, because to, to, it's, it's basically a fire order. 
And then, like I say, maybe the, the role to see if they even succeed, you know, without tripping over their own shoelaces. And then right. uh, on top of that is the actual, you know, rolling for penetration, like if it was an anti-tank weapon. So there's right. there's about three chances for it not to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, there's maybe that, that extra chance of what happens to the guy that tried to do it. Did he blow himself up? Right. So, yeah, we'll have, to tr we'll have to try it out a couple of times and see. You know, it should it should be successful sometimes, but maybe not all the time. Right. And then right. yeah, that's good. That, that'll be fun to play test it for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah we'll definitely try that out pretty soon. So how is your um, your Japanese army coming along? It's it is coming along. Um, I think the last time you and I were together, um, you had built that. Uh, that troop transport for me, which I've, I, I love it. Um, I was, I was even showing my son and he's like, I want one too. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we'll, we got to build an army first and then yeah. we'll talk about it. Um, no, he, but, want, uh, he, he wants the box and then he's going to fill it with your, yeah, he with, wants the box and then he'll fill it. Right. Yeah. With your, uh, with your wallet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful box, and I've done the clear coating on it. I think I've done um, three treatments on it, so I think it's going to be pretty rugged. Um, I built the last box and treated it three times. I've got the dividers in it, um, so it, it looks amazing. Um, so I'm happy, but uh, what, I, what I was working on and what you and I were talking about was magnetizing my uh, mortar, uh, my mortar team, Right. and my machine gun team. And so what I thought I would do is is I have permanently glued one person to the mortar um, base and one person to the machine gun base, um, and that what represents the last man. Right. Um, and then the other two, I've actually uh, used those uh, clear-coated, you, you created those uh, clear-coat discs with the, the hole in the middle so that I can magnetize oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that base as well. That's working out really well. Oh, cool. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I, I messed up on one of the magnets and it's reverse polarity. And so now the guy jumps off the base <laughs> instead of sits on the base. Um, I'm, I'm okay with but, you that. Know, that. Yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> failed morale check. That's a failed morale check. <laughs> uh, but it's uh it, it's going to look really good. I, I had scraped off the, the base because those were pretty much based and almost, I mean, the machine gun was based and ready to go, but I scraped off the base so that I could, you know, get a better feel of how deep I need it to be once I put the base coating back on. Cause the first one I sunk too low, I had to drill that out. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a work in progress and it's, but it's, it's going to turn out, I mean, it's not going to be as great as, as your buddies, but, um, it's going to look good. It's going to work good. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's, it's progress. I still have, um, 70 dudes to paint. So, <laughs> um, I've got, I've got their, their uniforms painted. Um, but I, I, I haven't gotten much further than that. I, I still need to do the accents, the belts and the pouches and the, and the guns and all of that. But, um, yeah, I was just looking at that task and that, that's 70 and, Maybe that's the downside of, you know, I get these great, these great, you know, army rules. Um, but the downside is, is <laughs> I've got to paint, you know, yeah. 90 some odd folks. And that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm struggling with the, uh, 30 SS guys that I just got. Oh, those look amazing. Well, the those one, you've only amazing. seen one cause only one is done. <laughs> out, of, out of, out of 30. <laughs> well, that one looks amazing. <laughs> Let's see what the thirtieth one looks like, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I might be just painting one color by then. We'll see. <laughs> but what's cool about this is I remember you when when we first got into this, you bought the um, what was that? The Band of Brothers box. Right, right. And um, I had a really good time painting your your uh, your air, it was airborne, right? Yeah, airborne. Right. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed it. There was a lot of accents. There's a lot of different things to do. Um, it was fun, and you're like, when you were done with yours, you're like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm done painting Germans. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this anymore because it was like one base, uh, a coat of paint. It was simple. It was easy. It was you know one or two colors, and, and you were done. Yeah, and I, I I could have got a little fancier with them, but for some reason at that time, 
I just, I, I personally just couldn't get into it. You know, it was like, it, it felt a little bit like a job, you know, like I just, oh, I got to yeah. get through this because I, because I, I wanted them done and I wanted to play. But now, now I think I'm, I'm, I've lightened up a little bit and I've got enough figures now that I don't need to get something done to play. Now it's, it's becoming more fun. Okay. And of course, I, the, yeah, I just remember that you, you saying like, Oh, this is killing me. <laughs> yeah. And of course the SS guys, while they're complete son of a bitches, you know, in, in real life, they did have snappy uniforms and very cool colors. They, those are really nice looking uniforms. I love the paint job that you did. Yeah, we'll see See if I can keep that up. And I know that all the guys within a group don't always have to have the same uniforms and, you know, same camouflage and stuff. They, they got mixed up, but I'm, I'm still going to try to do all of them exactly the same and see how that goes. I, I found that, um, you know, I'm doing the um, that uh, Airborne, the IJA Airborne that I've been doing a bunch of research on. Um, and I bought the, the Jungle, I'm trying to think what they were called, Jungle... Anyway, the jungle guys. They're the IJ vets, right? They're veterans. Yeah, the vet, the veteran jungle guys. Yeah, those um, guys. That I'm turning into. Yeah, those guys. I'm, I'm turning them into that that um, that uh, airborne unit that I've been reading up on, uh, the IJA airborne unit. And uh-huh. I was counting the colors. Um, you know, I paint. I showed you the one guy that I painted, uh, and I'm counting the colors, and I think I'm at nine. Wow. <laughs> That's not including the wash. Right. nine nine colors um, and the one guy turned out really good I just realized you know as I'm sitting here I was starting to work on them before we got on the podcast and I started to realize like okay well I've got you know 16 more dudes to paint like this <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to production line it um, I think I'm going to go with the camo that I was doing I think I'm going to do instead of the gray I think I'm going to go black and it was based off of your comments um, that you were posting um, about your about those the SS Germans that you were doing is 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 it, it looks better bold it sticks out it may not yeah. be historically accurate right um, but it shows the detail the level of detail the, level, the the amount of time that you've put into building you know these these models um, and so I, I kind of want to do that is is once I wash, once I wash this guy, it almost, if you're not looking, you can't tell he's, he's done some camo on his own uniform. And that was kind of one of the things that I really liked about that army is that they, they camouflaged their own uniforms. They did whatever they wanted. Right. right. Camo them. Yeah. Um, and so good. Yeah. I was, I was a little let down actually after that, that first SS guy, after I put the, the wash on, I was like, oh, all that work I did on the camouflage, and you don't see it as well now. But I've I've gotten used to it, and I like it again. But initially, it was like, why did I do that? And I can't see it now. <laughs> I think it looks really good, especially the the, the bright green that you have uh-huh. um, sitting out. I think it looks really amazing. Well, cool, because I'm going to do the rest of them like that. So yeah, cool. So I've been, so, I've been starting to research my. Uh, my British troops a little bit um, to figure out what I'm going to do with them, but uh, you know what what army or what division I'm going to model them after. Well, it'll be it's it'll, been fun. It'll be it's good fun. when you get the British done because then I'll have somebody to play against my new SS guys. Yes. Yes. So that's not going to be quite as many. I think I'm only doing like. Uh, I think 60 British or something like that. That's okay. So far, I've only got 30 uh, SS guys. Well, and the original ones that I got from Tim, I've got his SS. Those those dirty Nazis, I've got his too. So actually, I will have quite a few. Well, it's a game. It's okay to play the Nazis. I I guess so, yeah. You don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We'll see. That's That's a topic for another day. (laughs) <laughs> Probably, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe, or maybe not. <laughs> that yeah. might not be a public topic. Whoop. The hell? So, yeah, it's uh, you know what? It's it's uh, work giving me a call. Oh well, so. too bad. You're busy. You're busy podcasting. I'm busy podcasting. Well, we've see, we've gone 
40 minutes already. There's one last thing I wanted to just touch on for a second that's kind of bolt, sure. it's bolt action related, but I think other people might be able to kind of relate as well. And that is my new favorite tank. You, oh, you, you probably, have a new favorite tank? I have a new favorite tank, yeah. And it was one nobody would probably think of because it's just a little shitty little tank. It's the uh, M5 Stewart. It's a, um, in bolt action, it's a light tank. It's got a light anti-tank gun. So it's pretty much useless as a tank. But if you just think about it as a machine gun carrier, it's amazing. It's, oh, so it's like every other Japanese tank. Yeah, it's like a Japanese tank. Cause <laughs> it, it's, got, it's got a coaxial medium machine gun. It's got a front, uh, uh, what, what's that mount they call that in the front? Uh, not pintle mount, hull mount. It's got a hull mount medium machine gun. So we're up to two, machine, two medium machine guns now, which, by the way, is 10 right. dice. And oh my gosh. as an option, a uh, heavy machine gun, like a 50 cal on the pintle mount. So for those keeping score at home, that's 14 dice. Just a quick note here, the HMG actually only adds three more dice, not four. So uh, we're up to 13 instead of 14. And uh, and then the main gun, which is pretty much useless. But I'm looking at this thinking, first of all, with the, with the 50 cal, it's, a, it's 160 points. It's not expensive. No. And since it's a tank on, you know, an open full run it can move 18 inches imagine getting 18 inches up the board before your opponent even moves and on the next move you move nine on an advance and you're in range of your enemy with 14 dice coming at him wow i think it's pretty cool <laughs> i'm not i'm not a fan of the big huge expensive tanks because unless you're fighting yeah. tank to tank they don't really do much but i'm looking at this right. thing for 160 points going that's an ass load of machine guns that move fast and and because i don't play tanks how many of those dice do you get to roll at once 14 uh 13 actually because you're you've got the whole mounted machine gun which is one guy down there doing that you've got your pintle mounted hmg that's a separate guy up in the cupola and then you've got your main gunner firing the coaxial machine gun so you can fire all three machine guns at once the only thing you yeah, can't fire the only thing you can't fire together is the main gun and the coaxial because that's one gunner one gun he's got to pick one or the other so, yeah, yeah I don't want you playing that tank. <laughs> well, too damn bad. I'm I'm thinking about writing up a list that includes two of them, and a, and just a couple oh. of and just a couple of squads of guys. So it'll be a it'll be a tank heavy list. But I think for around 500 points, I can get two tanks on the board. With, wow. With with some guys, you know, you're looking at 320 points in tanks, and then you know another uh, what. 180 points in men, about 18 men, 18 regulars. Could be an interesting Jeez. little experiment. Oh my gosh! But I mean, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of firepower that can get pinned out or you know, pinned, suppressed, whatever, destroyed. <laughs> well, it might be time for me to purchase a couple of those. Uh... What is that type 92 tankette, the Japanese tank, the little, yeah, it looks like an armored car almost. Might, might be about the same thing. It might be just a little crappy little vehicle with a whole bunch of firepower. Yeah, it's 90 points regular and it has a turret mounted HMG nice. and a forward facing MMG. Okay. So you're, you're at the five, six, seven, you're nine, nine dice right there. The funny thing That's is that so the funny thing is that the the HMG really doesn't do anything for you in the game. It doesn't do anything more than an MMG. The only thing it does is has anti-armor penetration. But if you're if okay. you're fighting infantry, you're actually better off with more medium machine guns because you get an extra die. An extra 2 die actually. And they have the same range. So, because the the tank models I have of the Stuart come from a Rubicon and they come with the coaxial, they come with the hull mounted, but for the 
pintle mount machine gun, they have another 30 cal up there, which is a medium. But I, I couldn't put that on there because the uh, bolt action rules don't allow for three mediums. It's two mediums and a heavy. So I'm actually I'm actually building mine specifically and what's the for damage the value on that. On the uh, on the 50 cal. No, on your little your little tank is oh the tank the damage value is in the armor is oh, so the armor yeah on? the armor value is eight it's not bad okay um, I think mine's seven so and the little anti tank gun which I probably never use has a penetration of four which is pretty pretty bad but it could also fire he with a one inch uh, template Jeez. so that's not bad Jeez. so yeah I think that might be my favorite new tank I just have to get a couple of them together and try them out. Do you have them? I have one that I painted a couple of months ago. It's just been sitting in my, you know, my collection. And then I just put right. another one together last night so I can have two. Nice. And what is what does that one cost? Not uh, not the price, but the the point value. It's uh 160 with the heavy machine gun, 135 without. So for 135, you still get 10 dice. Just just on the two medium machine guns. Yeah, that's not bad at all. No, not bad at all. I think it'd be fun to play around with it. Like, but like I was saying, you know, the only downside is if if one gets knocked out, that's you know a good portion of your firepower gone. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't get knocked out. Maybe it stays 36 inches away from you and just keeps firing. Well, and then my my little stick fighters or my my um, the suicide tank, my suicide tank guys will come and pay you a visit. <laughs> well, they got a they got a lot of running to do, three turns to get to me. To yeah, because I'm if I'm firing at thirty six inches, yeah, that's that's three turns of running. Yeah, that's that's three turns. That's a lot of dice. That's yeah, a lot so, of dice coming my way. So we'll have to have to give that a try. So, I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not designed for you to like. So there you have all it. All right. There you have it. Well, if there's anybody listening to this, period, end of sentence. Um, no, if there's anybody listening to this that's, <laughs> that's in the Southern California area, there's a couple of events coming up that uh, you might need to know about, and I'm going to be there. Um, San Diego Historical Games Convention is November 11th and 12th which is a week from this coming weekend. And they're having a bolt action tournament on Sunday. And the Las Vegas Open in January, the 26th through the 28th, is having a bolt action tournament on Saturday. And for some reason, it's listed on the calendar as bolt action tournament day one. But there's nothing on Sunday that says day two. So I don't know if it's a one day or a two day thing, but those two things are coming up and I'll be at both of those. Are you dealing or are you are you going to be a just, dealer or are you no, actually going to play i'm just going to just, just going to go and play both of them have tournaments that you have to sign up for in advance and have your armies approved in advance and all this i think i'm oh, okay. i'm late for all that but i'm just going to show up and hope there's some open gaming or start my own i'll bring my shit and see what happens are you ready for that are you ready for a tournament no a, i don't think a, I'm, an actual tournament no no well i'm ready to lose <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's just part of playing the game. No, I'm I'm not. Ready. I mean, for you anyway, not not for me. Right, of course. No, I mean, I I've, <laughs> I've got enough I've got enough miniatures to get into like a thousand yeah. point tournament or something. That's easy. But I don't have you know ready made armies, you know, already figured out, you know, lists and and I'm and I'm not that good, which I don't care about. I don't care if I go to a tournament and lose. No, but, no, no, that doesn't. No, that doesn't matter at all. But it's it's about playing the game. But it would be nice to have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I, I keep thinking like it would be fun to do attorney, but but then I'm like, well, I don't know that I think I would be slowing down the guy that I'm playing because I don't understand the rules enough. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing a pickup game at an event or something, but getting into an actual tournament, I think I'm still a little like, eh, I think I'm going to slow the game down more than I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to be feeling bad that you know some guy that knows every single rule is waiting on me to figure out what I'm going to do next. Well, there is one 
tournament coming up that we should probably talk about, uh, me and you, because uh, it's going to be at the uh, the convention in L.A. in February. And I think it's going to be it's going to be you know, like a kind of low key, not super competitive. It's it's going to be a memorial tournament for Tim, and uh, right. that's something we should probably think about doing. I don't know how the logistics would happen with me having a booth there and having to work. You know, maybe if you if you're there, maybe we could take turns, you know, kind of tag team playing in the tournament or something. We could, you know, we'll think well, about you it. You do have you do have more more employees now than you've ever had. So that's true. That's true. I have to have to drag one of them there with me and just have them work. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a possibility too. I think if I if I gave. Uh, if I gave Hayden like a, a weekend away in Los Angeles, he'd be happy to man the booth for a while. Yeah. So we'll see. It might not be a bad idea. At least, you know, one day and then he can have one day to play or who knows, you know. Yeah. I think I might have, I might have to approach him with that and see what he thinks. Because, yeah, it was sure would be nice, especially if you were there, if we could go like as a team and just get into this tournament right. and, and lose together. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down with that. And, I, and I'm more comfortable. I'm I think right. I'd be more comfortable with, you know, like the local group, the guys I know, you know, than rather than like going to Vegas and just playing against a bunch of people I've never met before. I just Right. You know how I get. Well, I'm I, I feel the same way as I'd much rather play against folks, you know, for my first couple of tournament I I tournaments I'd or games like official games. Um I'd rather play against people that I know or people that I've talked to, um People rather that, than getting into an official tournament. Yeah, and, pe- people that won't be mean and say bad things. That's right. That, that's <laughs> important. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, I think we've covered everything. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop the recording here. All right, guys, well, that was it. That was fun. I enjoyed doing that. And I uh, really want to say thanks a lot to my best friend, Chris, for coming on with me and doing this with me. I think we're going to do quite a few more of these in the future. Um, this one here was really, really bolt-action heavy. Um, in the future, we'll uh, try to branch out in some other areas. I've got some ideas for other guys to bring into the conversation, and they don't play bolt-action, so we'll be talking about a lot of different things with those guys. So... I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, let me know in the comments uh, at inthegameroom.com. Give me any kind of pointers, uh, feedback, ideas, suggestions, gripes, complaints, whatever you got. Give it to me. So thanks a lot for listening, and until next time, keep on gaming.